This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome, welcome, Awareness Explorers. Great to have you back. I hope you're doing well. I'm feeling good. Um, I'm Jonathan Robinson. I'm with my trusty co-host. Brian Tom O'Connor. And we have a special guest today, Brian. Uh, you know him pretty well. In fact, he's been stalking you for a bunch of years. His name is <laughs> Brian Tom O'Connor. Can't seem right. to get rid of the guy. Nah, wherever you go, there he is. And he, uh, but the good news is he wrote an excellent book, a new book called Awareness Adventures, Discovering Your True Nature. And we're going to talk about the book. But before we do that, I do want to put a shout out to our Patreon supporters who uh, we love and give lots of special goodies to who support us for as little as a dollar a month. If you're interested in getting all those add-ons for different amounts that you contribute each month, go to patreon.com forward slash awareness explorers. So I've been reading your book, Brian, and um, it bummed me out because it's at least as good, if not better than my own that just came out the Enlightenment Project. The good news is the Enlightenment Project, as of today, is the number one spiritual growth book in America, according to Amazon. So thank you, readers, for that. We really appreciate it. Congratulations. And thank you. I'm very happy about that. Um, and your book, you know, it'll be interesting to first ask you how this book differs from your original book, which got us together, because I thought it was so great, called Awareness Games. How do you see Awareness Adventures differing than, say, your book or my book? Well, differing from Awareness Games is significant, although there is, there is a lot of content that's similar in that there are games included. But Awareness Games was pretty much, except for some explanation at the front and some tips at the end, a list of games games that you play to turn your attention inward and uh, discover the joy of your true nature. But it was just sort of a random list in no particular order. And after that, after I published that book and started teaching awareness games, I thought that would be good to add some of the further insights that I had gotten, but also to structure it a little differently, to group things together so that there, it, there are meditations and games that are about certain subjects that are together. For instance, identity or emotions or going into the body. And so it's structured that way. Plus, there are actually more short little personal experiences of my own that I added, which I pretty much had left out of the first book. And then there are some philosophical essays sort of sprinkled throughout as well. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of everything. And that's why I think it's um, a more readable and fun book than Awareness Games. And I love that book. But this book was uh, both a lot of great techniques, as usual. And I enjoyed the essays. It made, you know, a nice break from just doing the, the games. But as I was reading your book, I noticed that there's enough games, and enough ideas that I was getting high. Uh, and that was always enjoyable because not many books, when you read them, do you go, my God, I'm feeling really high now. And that was really fun. 
And um, I, it's probably one of the only books where I'll end up reading it again, just for that experience. Uh, so let's talk about some things that showed up for me in that book that I thought were interesting concepts. One of them was how you describe the use of imagination. You know, we normally don't think of imagination in the same sentence as awakening. We think of trying to get out of your imagination, trying to get out of your mind, but you have some pretty interesting ideas about imagination that I think can be helpful for people. Sure. Well, I use imagination as kind of um, a contrast to beliefs because I actually don't think you need to believe anything to have the experience of pure happiness, which is, I believe, your nature. <laughs> There's that word believe again. For example, the whole concept of non-duality, of oneness, that, that we are the universe itself looking out through our eyes. I don't really think you have to believe that's true. But what if you sat down and played around with it? Just mm -hmm. imagined. What if instead of some little person inside my head looking out my eyes that's identified with my body, what if it was like the universe looking through a hole in the wall of a construction site looking at everything? And so you use these little imaginative tricks to point to within to mm -hmm. your true nature and help re-identify to that universal awareness. It's kind of like a lubricant to get you past maybe sticky beliefs. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I remember, you know, one of my one of my favorite teachers, as you know, has been Rupert Spira. And when I first started studying his teaching, I would I would argue in my mind with him all the time. And then after a while, I said, well, wait a minute. If his basic teaching is be knowingly the presence of awareness, what if instead of listening with my analytical brain, I just listened from awareness as if I was awareness and as if his words were appearing in me awareness and everything got so much easier and everything he talked about became so much more clear and also experienceable and not just known by the mind. Mm -hmm. I think you just created a great word, experienceable. Yes. I like that word. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever used it before or experienced <laughs> I, it. I before. don't know if it's in the dictionary, but it sounds great. Um, well, I will use this concept uh, uh, with you. Before this podcast, we were talking about transmissions. And, you know, especially I'm um, in a group where they do spiritual transmissions through Zoom, which totally doesn't meet up with my beliefs. But uh, I heard somebody say, well, just imagine that that's happening. And I did find that useful for getting past my, call it block or belief system. And then I started to open up to this energy. And so I have experienceable uh, experience of using this technique of well, just imagine and see if that then opens you up to a new experience. So um, that's something that did work for me. And, and for those of you who want to experience Holy Spirit or various transmissions that teachers give nowadays, that might be a method that works for you. Well, that's very interesting because it's very similar to the whole game idea 
that I first started in the first book, Awareness Games, and continued in this book. When you, it, it takes the pressure off the analytical mind because our minds are basically tools to make distinctions between mm-hmm. things. And language is its basic tool. And language is all about making distinctions between things. And if reality is all one, if there's simply energy rising and falling in various temporary forms, and we are that universe, then it's not something that we can really totally grasp in our minds. And when we use imagination or a kind of a playful attitude like games, Mm -hmm. like we play around with what if in our minds, it, it takes the pressure off that deciding function in our brain that decides true or false or good or bad because reality is is neither or both and much more complex than we can ever imagine i i you know people sometimes use the word god or other things kind of in a very uh almost flippant way and you know they said do you believe in god or not well i i tell them imagine that you're an ant and you're trying to understand quantum physics because the degree of difference between an ant's intellect and quantum physics is probably a lot less than the degree of difference between our intellect and infinite creation. Yes, that's right. So, you know, uh, it's my intellect is not going to understand the ways of god or the reality or the universe in in reality it's not what you might call experienceable and so it helps to feel a little bit humble when it comes to these big questions these big ideas yeah humility is is really good because when we know something when we have opinions about something basically what we're doing is we're creating division in our minds division that's not there in reality. And mm-hmm. so a little humility about that is kind of a good thing. Humility and humor, uh, because that can also help sometimes. Yeah. Well, onto a more serious subject or, or a challenging subject is you have in the book, Awareness Adventures, the idea of the core wound. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that and how people might benefit from knowing about that. Sure. One thing that the spiritual world sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes encourages is steering away from emotion. In other words, it's the idea that if I'm spiritual, I'm never going to feel bad. And actually, we continue to feel bad when we resist feeling bad, when we have strategies to prevent ourselves from having our emotions. And when we drop those strategies to prevent our emotions and just allow them to be there, we, we become sort of porous in a way, and the emotions come and they go. But the emotions are deep, and they come in deeper and deeper and deeper levels until you get down to the very first, when you were just 
a little kid and, and, and you had some real existential fear, maybe fear of abandonment from your parents or punishment or lack of love or something like that. And that's what I call the core wound, the idea that you are basically bad. And I actually did a lot of work. I, in fact, I recommend I used a, a, a guided meditation by Adyashanti called um, How to Deal with Negative Emotions. I think that's what it was called. It's in his uh, collection. Uh, it's it's a collection of guided meditations. You can find it on Sounds True. And you're, you are looking inside to see what emotion is there. And you're using the story about the emotion to evoke the emotion. But then once the emotion arises, you drop the story and just feel it in your body. Because surprisingly, emotions, we think that they're something that is thought, but it's actually chemical reactions in your body. You can feel every emotion physically. And when you go down in and allow yourself to have that emotion, they tend to come up and they tend to leave. But you kind of have to do this over and over again. And I did that, you know, and I just kept going into that core wound, you know, tears and sobbing and shaking. But when you allow it, it goes, it wants to go and you let it go. And what's left is a kind of a calm, a kind of a peace, kind of an okayness, a kind of a seeing through that that core wound is not something that is going to destroy you. It's there because part of you wanted to protect you because it loved you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about trauma work nowadays. And it sounds like what I hear a lot of times is you follow a negative emotion or uncomfortable emotion to deeper and deeper layers and you kind of allow it to manifest and digest in a safe environment, environment maybe of your bedroom with a little bit of your awareness there to create safety. So it releases and becomes less of a block, less resistance to reality as is. Is that a good explanation? Yeah, that's a really good explanation. I would add to that a couple of helpful hints Mm -hmm. uh, one is that it helps with emotions to notice what else is there. Because emotions want to draw all its attention. Pay attention to me and make it the only thing. But it's not the only thing in awareness. There's also your body sensations. There are also sounds in the room. There, there are input into all of your senses. It's all simply arising in awareness. And it's all in the same field of awareness. So your, your body sensations, sounds, sights, thoughts, emotions are all appearing in one field of awareness. And when you include as much as possible, those emotions become smaller in proportion to all that you are. And mm -hmm. the second tip is that this is kind of paradoxical, but if you sit down, let's say you're feeling really crummy and you sit down to meditate because you don't want to feel crummy and your purpose is to get rid of this feeling of crumminess, for me, in my experience, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it hits me, oh, wait a minute, I'm sitting here meditating so that I don't have a feeling that's here. 
what if I just allowed whatever is happening to absolutely be here with no clutching against it, no strategy to change it? And then, oddly enough, something starts to release and relax and laughter bubbles up and, um, and I do feel better, but not because I'm trying to feel better because I'm, yeah. but because I'm trying not, I'm not attempting to change what's happening. Yeah. The statement I, I create for that is infinite acceptance leads to immediate results. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, and I've been using a technique, I call it the yes technique. Because especially if I'm like pissed off or something, I'll say, you know, try to just say yes to this experience. You know, I get triggered with um, having to deal with a lot of incompetence. I was trying to change my internet provider this weekend. And it took about seven hours. Um, it should be something that, you know, you might be able to do in 10 minutes, but they provide blocks after block after block because they don't want you to cancel. So mm. it's a lot of incompetence a lot of frustration on my part. And I, as I'm going through this, I'm t making it my seven hour meditation of canceling AT&T. I'm sure that they were trying to help me with my spiritual growth in their seven hour process of blocking me from achieving this cancellation. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying yes to, you know, the fact that I'm on hold for an hour and a half or that the call hangs up when I'm about to get the right person or the, or the person I talk to doesn't know my account number or things like this are going, yes, this should be happening. This should be <laughs> happening. And, and it's a really interesting meditation because most of our suffering comes from just insisting that reality be different than it is. And if your, your goal in life is to make reality different than it is, you are going to be an unhappy camper. Yes, you're absolutely right. You really hit the nail right on the head. It's all about the idea that what's happening shouldn't be happening or what's not happening should be happening. Mm -hmm. Right, right. That's suffering. That's... It's not the pain. It's not the emotion that causes the suffering. It's the idea that something shouldn't be there or something that's missing should be. Absolutely. Or the one, one sentence to instant happiness and peace, however it's going, root for it to go that way. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and another thing I would add to your, your story about uh, dealing with incompetence is that that Jonathan personality or the Brian personality that gets upset or angry over something is something that's known by something bigger than mm -hmm. the Brian personality and the Jonathan personality. And so like a little game, like, oh, there goes Brian again, getting mm -hmm. mad at that person trying to get on the subway before he gets off. You know, it, it, it creates an identification with something larger than the small personality, the little me. I call it identifying with the big I instead of the little me. Yeah, yeah. You have so many great ideas in Awareness Adventures. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about your, your uh, phrase, in, back, down, and out. Oh, in, back, down, and out. Yeah, well, so, you know, when I started talking about Awareness Adventures, I got all these images of traveling and searching and, and geography. And so there's a lot of sort of metaphors around that. And the in, back, down, and out comes out of that. And the subtitle of that is, I call it the awareness compass. 
And the subtitle is instead of north, south, east, west, in, back, down, and out. And in is you turn your attention inward from the content of awareness to awareness itself. And back is you sink back into the background. You actually be the space in which experience appears. And down is you drop down below the neck, away from the thinking mind and into your body, because your body is a great place to experience exactly what's happening now, because your sensations can only be happening now, and they can be experienced without words. And then out is to expand ever outward so that everything that you could possibly experience, including your mind, your body, and your personality, is something that's known by something bigger, something more expansive, something all inclusive. Mm -hmm. So you're not actually going out, you're growing out, you're expanding, you're becoming bigger, you're becoming everything. Yeah, I, I like your little formulas that way, because it's something that, you know, you could spend 10 minutes doing that meditation, or you could spend five seconds, you know, in back down and out, you know, it's like, right, it becomes just automatic, as almost muscle memory. And you do the same thing with uh, the statement, the staff of raw, R-A-A, which I like. Right. And, um, and in doing that, you can explain it, but I found that the first part, which you talk about R stands for relaxation. You mentioned that we often uh, have tightness in our jaw and our face. And then you even mentioned that we often have tightness like in our forehead, behind our forehead. Mm -hmm. which I, as I identified with it, as I identified that tightness or constriction, I noticed that I was able to release it. And when you release that very, very subtle tension in the head, it made it almost impossible for me to think. <laughs> and I saw that as a great boon, like, you know, uh, normally when you try to stop thought through mantra meditation or breath meditation or whatever people do, it's very difficult in a intention form in that way. But if you can get in touch with the fact that thought creates a certain amount of constriction in your head and you feel that physically, and then you let go of it physically, it's interesting that spaciousness opens up and then you could do the other two steps of, of the raw exercise, which you can also talk about. Well, that's a very good observation about um, letting go of the tension behind your eyes or behind your forehead. And it's, and it's absolutely true because a lot of clutching is happening internally in our thoughts, in our resistance to what is. And that causes tension that permeates our whole being, our body, our mind, everything. So that's why RA, R-A-A, the, the first R is relaxing, just scanning your body and seeing if you're tight, seeing if you're clutching, seeing if you're holding on to anything and just letting go. And it's simply letting go is like very simple. If you're clutch, if you're clenching your fist, you open your hand and you let it go. Something uh, I found that was interesting about that, Brian, is I hadn't quite made the connection that as you relax your body and for me, in a certain way, relaxing my mind, that that was so much of a path towards awareness and spaciousness. 
I hadn't really put that together so much. So thank you for that. Because uh, when I would check, you know, is my body relaxed? Mentally, I might think I'm relaxed, but there was always a part that wasn't. Right. And just that opening of like the shoulder, opening of the jaw, or opening of mm -hmm. the, that subtle feeling behind my eyes. Then you often you didn't have to do the next two steps because it was already like automatic. Well, that's true. I mean, actually, you all of the steps are sort of microcosms of each of the individual steps. They're right. all so they're could, all in there. We could call it the staff of R. Just relax. Sure. Or the staff of A. Yeah. <laughs> awareness. Uh, yeah. Or AA for awareness mm -hmm. adventures. Yes. Um, but you're not so much creating a path as you're actually removing obstacles from the path. Mm -hmm. The path actually can happen by itself when we're not in its way. Mm -hmm. So that's why relaxation is a really good first step. And the second one is allowing, which is allowing everything to be as it is. And you don't have to do this permanently for everything everywhere. It's only just for now. You can say, okay, for the next 10 seconds, I'm going to allow everything, including my emotions, especially my emotions, to be exactly as it is. I'm not trying to fix anything. I'm not trying to change anything. I'm not trying to make anything happen. I'm not trying to prevent anything from happening. That's allowing. Well, let me comment on that. Your comment that can I do that just for the next 10 seconds is really key because when you tell people just allow what's happening to happen, they always say, well, how about Nazi Germany? Or how about, you know, the fall of, of, you know, Armageddon? Well, if, if there's a nuclear war, I won't, I'll try to resist that, that 10 seconds, but most of the time we're not in nuclear war. We're just, you know, having an unpleasant feeling about something and allowing your current experience to be there is really what leads to peace and may even help you to see the experience that you're in more clearly and to act from wisdom. So all the ideas that we shouldn't allow something kind of collapse when you say, can I allow this to be happening for the next 10 seconds? It makes it so the mind doesn't interfere. That's right. Yeah, that's a very good insight and important point. And of course, uh, this practice is is designed for quiet moments, either sitting in meditation or uh, in a moment when you're feeling some sort of stress, you can bring to mind RAA. And, and with practice, you can do it in a second because mm -hmm. you've done it so often. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that sometimes you do need to allow is that sometimes we're actually called upon to take action. And you, mm -hmm. you called it taking action from wisdom, and I call it uh, taking action from, uh, from intuition, from a sort of an inner knowingness of what's the right thing to do. And if you're saying, well, I should never take action, that's a resistance against reality as much as anything else. So sometimes allowing means allowing the fact that right now there's actually something that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And when you're allowing things to be as they are, oddly enough, and this is another one of those paradoxes that this whole business is replete with, is oddly enough, when you allow things to be as they are, the steps you need to take to make things better or to help 
other people in the world become more clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, allowing does lead to a more clear mind and discernment. Yeah. So the third step in the RAA is awareing. And I call it awareing because it's a verb. So relaxing, allowing, awareing. It's not a real word, but well, there you are. And awareing is turning your attention from the content of awareness to awareness itself. In other words, noticing awareness, asking yourself, what is my experience appearing in? Or what knows this experience? And it's actually you. I mean, awareness, which has actually never changed ever since you were a little kid, is, is you. And so you turn around and you look at awareness, but you also, at the same time, turn around again, identifying with awareness, being awareness, and looking out at all experience from awareness. So awareing is a little more complicated because it's looking in and turning around and, and being awareness itself. Mm -hmm. But I still think it can be sort of experienced in one step. Yeah, I, I like to uh, think of it as see that everything's in awareness and then be awareness. Perfect. Yeah, I could have, couldn't have said it more simply. And, the, uh, the C to B technique. The C to B. Just B. <laughs> Right, right. Anything else about the book that um, that you want to share that we haven't touched upon? No, a couple of things. But before we leave, the staff of Ra, R-A-A, relaxing, allowing, wearing can also be summarized as rest as awareness. Mm. And the other I, thing about the book is, oh, did you have a, no, a comment? No, okay. The thing about the book is that there's actually two sort of emphases in the book. There's the philosophical and the practical. And the philosophical is about non-duality, about the idea that there really is only one thing in the universe, the universe itself, and you're the universe, and so are we all. And there's a lot of stuff about that. And as you mentioned, it's not so much about believing it. It's imagining what if it were true. And when I do, I find it joyful and fun. But the second emphasis in the book, the practical, is about happiness. And it's about the things that you do to connect with the happiness that is actually our true nature. Because if we are simply pure awareness, and awareness like a clear mirror allows everything to appear in it without deciding no that can't appear, this can't appear. It's pure allowing, which is unconditional love. And when we turn our attention into that and we just touch it, we, we make contact with it. The joy that is the nature of universal awareness floods back into our individual bodies and minds and brings about happiness. And that's just simply a practical thing you can do because I've done it and I discovered that with practice, you can do it over and over again and you can do it in a second. So I just made up a whole bunch of little ways for you to try and see if you can do it for yourself. 
I think it's brilliant stuff. And, you know, what I like, you do have a little bit of philosophy in there, just the right amount. It's like, you know, a perfect cake. You need a little bit of sugar, you need a little bit of flour, you need a little bit of yeast, you know, whatever. And um, I think a lot of books on spirituality focus a little bit too much on the philosophy of non-dualism or other things, and they don't help you to have the experience in them. But between the philosophy, the personal stories, and the methods, I really liked how the book created a full, delicious cake. Oh, I love that. And of course, I love cake. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too much, but uh, I, I like that metaphor. Thank you so much for that. Uh, um, I hear you have a guided meditation for us, but also, um, I guess people can get the book on Amazon. You have a website devoted to this? Yes. Well, my it's the same website as I've had for Awareness Games. It's called playawarenessgames.com. And you can find you can find out all about both books there. And uh, Awareness Adventures is uh, on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. And uh, I'll be in the process of recording the audio book soon, but that that's going to take longer. Mm -hmm. Look forward to that. And I look forward to one of your superb guided meditations. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. All right, here we go. So this guided meditation is going to include two excerpts from the book, Awareness Adventures. One is a longer meditation called Dissolving Borders. And the other is a shorter gamified version called Pick Up Sticks. First, close your eyes and... Take a few easy, deep breaths. Dissolve all borders between anything and everything. Meaning, look inside at your thoughts, your perceptions, and your sensations, and notice all the borders barriers and distinctions between things that your mind entertains. And for each border or distinction that you notice, simply imagine it dissolving into nothing as you breathe. These borders and barriers include any thoughts that people should be different than they are. Notice them and dissolve them. My hand is separate from my arm. That's a border that's only in my mind. My body is separate from the chair. That's a border that's only in my mind. The door is separate from the hall. That's a border that's only in my mind. I am separate from the air that I breathe. That's a border that's only in my mind. I am separate from you. That's a border that's only in my mind. Mm -hmm. 
notice and dissolve all borders that pop into awareness. Notice and dissolve any definition of yourself. Notice and dissolve any borders between yourself and the world. Notice and dissolve all compartments that keep certain types of things separate from other types of things. These can be mental compartments that separate thoughts and feelings from each other or that separate body sensations from sounds, or that separate all sensations from perceptions. Dissolve all borders between one part of your body and another. Go inside and notice the walls in your mind that separate parts of you from other parts and imagine them dissolving. Dissolve all borders between you and the air around you. Imagine the border of your skin becoming so porous you can breathe through it. And then eventually dissolving completely. Notice any resistance to the way other people speak and behave. And notice that this resistance is an internal barrier. It's only in your mind and you can dissolve it. Notice any resistance to events or situations in your life. And notice that this resistance is an internal barrier. It's only in your mind and you can dissolve it. Simply sit quietly and wait for inner borders and walls, and barriers, and resistances to rise into awareness. And as they do, simply imagine them dissolving as you breathe. After a while, you don't even have to attach words to the inner borders you notice. You don't even have to envision them clearly and distinctly. Some inner borders are simply felt inside you without words or pictures. Just sit and imagine all inner and outer borders dissolving.
Now, let's do a shorter game style version of this called Pick Up Sticks. Look in your mind for any borders or boundaries between anything and anything else. You can look at them as lines or as sticks, like in pickup sticks, or as Jenga blocks. Simply look for them, and when you find them, remove them one by one. It's easy to recognize the boundary lines. Anything you don't like, any person you don't agree with, any emotion you don't want to feel, any distinction between one thing and another thing, any opinion about anything, any sense of inside and outside, or myself and other. When you remove each borderline, imagine it like you were removing a wall separating two areas of color, like blue and yellow. When you remove the wall, the two areas blend into one green area. Get creative, be a detective. The more you play, the subtler the borders you find will be. Sometimes there could be a chain reaction. Moving one boundary line causes a whole bunch of others to fall away. In fact, the only difference between this game and pickup sticks or Jenga blocks is that when the whole structure comes tumbling down, you win. Now, take another nice, easy, deep breath. And when it's comfortable for you, open your eyes. I love that. You are a brilliant creator of games. Well, thank you. I hadn't done a meditation quite on that concept of like, dissolving borders and it's uh it's a winner one of my favorites good it's one of the later additions to the book too you know i i had finished the book and i thought i had a draft and i was sitting down one day just sort of meditating being awareness and it just sort of popped into my head mm -hmm. and so i said oh okay i guess the book's not done yet in fact this <laughs> happened several times <laughs> when i thought the book was done Right, um, right. Uh, there were there were some things that's, that just that's, it just needed to be there. That's funny. I had the same experience in and finishing up the Enlightenment project. Like, wait, I forgot this, and you know, each time it was like some of the best ideas. I remember uh, talking to Carrie uh, Livgren, the uh, guy who wrote Dust in the Wind and uh, Carry On Wayward Son, and I said. Uh, did you know those were, you know, hits? And he said, actually, those were, um, the album was done at, for each of those. And then they were like the extra songs that we put on right at the end. <laughs> and uh, so that's how both those songs came into being. And sometimes 
it's when you finally surrender a book or let go of something that the new best stuff shows up. Sure. There's another story about that with the musical, uh, A Little Night Music by Stephen Sondheim. It had, mm-hmm. been re- it had been rehearsed. It was in performance. It was in previews out of town before coming to New York. And they said, there's something missing. There's a song for the main character, Desiree, in the last act. It just needs to be there. So we went back to his hotel room. And in one night, he wrote Send in the Clowns, which became uh-huh. Sondheim's most famous song. Right, right. Well, the power of, of surrender and being open. Um Great stuff. I love the guided meditation and uh, I encourage people to look at Awareness Adventures and and um, pass it on to your friends and family as well. Thank you, Jonathan. I really enjoyed uh, gabbing with you about the book <laughs> and uh, just as much as I enjoyed gabbing with you about your book, The Enlightenment Project. Well, we're lucky to be able to do this and hopefully uh, people are getting benefit. We thank our Patreon supporters. We thank uh, the powers that be that let us do this. And to all our friends out there, keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.